0: Start working together, know each other's personalities, learn about how you work, how you interact, and really build a cross-functional team. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world.
1: Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Business Operations Podcast. I'm Seth Colliner, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Dr. Ken Napton, Chief Information Officer of Progression. Uh, It sounds like Progression, it's spelled P-R-O-G-R-E-X-I-O-N, just to be clear. Today, we are going to be talking about big data. So Ken, if you would just um, introduce yourself a little bit, tell us just a a bit about uh, your background and experience and what your role is at Progression.
0: Seth, thanks for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Always excited to talk about big data. So just a little bit about my background and uh, kind of how I how I ended up where I am. I started out as a software developer probably, oh man, 30 years ago or so. Just absolutely loved being a developer. I really enjoyed sitting in the dark with my hands on the keyboard and the headphones in my ears and uh, solving fun difficult problems. But, you know, over time, I started to realize that I enjoyed talking with other people and helping them solve problems and kind of worked my way through kind of the architecture path, helping to design complex systems, the communication and correlation of, of data through those systems in, in uh, enterprise uh, environments. So from there, really kind of ended up in the in the CTO chair at a couple of different companies. Eventually moved over into the CIO seat, uh, taking on more of the operational activities, and and I've been in that seat, you know, for for a couple of decades now. I've worked in many different verticals. I've worked in uh, high tech, worked in healthcare, I've worked in nonprofit, and most recently in uh, finance, both in the mortgage industry and in the, the the banking, and now in in credit repair. So that's that's kind of in a in a nutshell, you know, the, the super high-level view of, of my uh, career path.
1: And tell us a bit then about Progression and what Progression does.
0: Yeah, Progression is a company that you, probably most people don't know our name. Our focus is around credit repair and, and generally helping people to understand more about credit and, and how it helps in, in uh, our economy. So Progression is all about helping people to understand what shows up on their credit report and what they can do about things that may be there incorrectly and, and and we help them to to take the necessary steps to make sure that their credit report is is accurate fair and and backed by evidence.
1: Yeah, and this is an interesting company an interesting um, set of tasks because it's something that everybody knows something about, right? We all know credit, we all deal with credit. But I don't know that we really um, understand it to any real uh, deep level. So if you could just explain a little bit, what, what is credit repair and what is credit care?
0: A couple of things that people don't necessarily recognize is that a lot of things get reported to the credit bureaus that maybe they they weren't aware was being reported. And there are some things that that are not reported that probably should be. That's where we're seeing some of these fintechs pop up to allow you to connect your bank account so that you can report things like your utility payment and your rent payment and things like that that don't get reported regularly. But I think most people are aware that there are things out in, in the industry today where people will uh, perform identity fraud and they'll you know, maybe grab someone's identity and then add some things to their credit that this person didn't. Uh, do themselves, or uh, just mistakes, right? Mistakes happen where something may be reported on your credit report to a bureau that really isn't something that you did. It might be someone with a similar name, a different social security number, or, or, you know, someone with the same birthday or something like that. You know, these things all affect your credit score, which affects your ability to obtain credit and to obtain the best rates that you could obtain. We help people to evaluate their credit report, understand the things that are being reported, both positive and negative, and then if there are items on their report that are negative that might be hampering their ability to obtain the best possible rate when they're seeking credit, then we help them navigate the waters, which are a bit choppy, it's a bit complicated, the, the, the process, uh, to remove those negative items, again, where, where they should be, right? If, if something was there incorrectly, if something was on your report that really was someone else's issue, you know, those are the things that we help people to, uh, to, to, to remove off of
1: their credit report. What do most of us not understand about our credit reports and our credit scores?
0: Most people, when they, when they talk about their credit score, they talk about it in just those terms. My credit score, and uh, in reality, there's much more than just one score. Uh, in fact, there are there are three bureaus, which I think most people know that there's there's more than one credit bureau. But uh, even within those bureaus, I mean, there there are 28 different scores that are used, depending on whether someone is looking for credit from this bank or that bank, or whether it's an auto loan or a home loan, or you know whatever else. It really is a very complex system that everybody, that affects everybody's life, and uh, they, they just don't know the details around it. And, and again, that, that's where we come in, helping them understand those details and helping them to uh, remove the negative
1: items that, that might be hampering their ability to get the best rates that they can get. I confess, I definitely did not know that twenty-eight number. That that is news to me. So it sounds like there's quite a you're, bit. There. You're not alone. You <laughs> learned. You are currently on the Forbes Technology Council. For those who don't know, could you just explain what is the Forbes Technology Council, and then what new technologies are are exciting to you based on the conversations you've been having there?
0: The uh, Forbes. Technology Council is, a, is a, an invitation-only group of CIOs and CTOs and, and essentially tech executives who are, are interested in sharing their thoughts around various topics, whether it's a consumer, tech, or uh, things that might be affecting uh, security, privacy, even talking about things uh, around process. Uh, for example, I, I, I just wrote an article about uh, Agile, we're going through an Agile transformation, and I've I've helped many companies move down that path in the past. And uh, so I have an article talking about Agile and what MVP is in Agile. So any of those topics are really open for the Forbes Technology Council. Uh, and there's a couple of different things that, that the council does. One is we can write articles like the one that I've just written. It's not published yet. I'm expecting in the next couple of weeks it should be uh, published on the, the Forbes uh, Tech Council website. But then there are also just general questions that that the Forbes organization will ask each of us, uh, and so they'll throw out a question about, you know, hey, what do you think is a cool technology for consumers, or what do you think is the next uh, challenge when it comes to privacy or or protecting data? And each one of us can chime in with our thoughts about that, and then they'll put that into a interview type article. And, and post those out there as well. So it's opportunities for for us to just share thoughts
1: around the things that are going on in the industry. Great. Well, you mentioned Agile. Has that been top of mind lately?
0: Yeah, well, Agile has been on my mind for a long time. I, I started in Agile back uh, when it first came out in, in the uh, early 2000s. I've helped several organizations to move down that Agile path. And at progression right now, we are. Uh, undertaking a a pretty significant agile transformation across the whole organization.
1: That's interesting. You're not the first person I've heard say that um, in the past few weeks, including on this very podcast. I want to get into the area in which you really are an expert here in big data and just talk about what's happening there a little bit. And perhaps we will find our way back to the agile conversation uh, by going that route. So big data to me is very interesting, right? Because everyone knows basically what it is, or everyone knew what it was a few years ago, right? It's, it's, it's not a difficult concept to grasp, but how has that big data landscape changed just over the past few years, you know, in terms of there's so many more types of data products out there for the enterprise? I mean, can you just give us a, even just a 30,000 foot view of big data these days?
0: Yeah, the, I, and I'm not even sure that, that people do agree on even what the definition is of big data when we talk. And, and that's one of the things that uh, I, I I did my doctoral thesis on big data in 2020. So very recently, and even then, there were several different definitions of big data, and people define it very differently. And so, and so I think that's one of those topics that maybe people say, hey, I know what it is. And then when you start talking to them, you think, oh, well, you're looking at it from a little bit different perspective than than, than I would. And so there's, there's still a lot kind of being uncovered with regard to big data. But I think kind of the, the the general consensus is that big data it differs from traditional data in regard to some specific attributes, velocity, veracity, volume. There were five Vs and then there were seven V's, now there's eight V's, so they just keep adding for some reason they have to start with the with a V. But those are those are the, the, the main I think, aspects, attributes of big data that that really forced us to analyze the data differently than we would if we're talking about traditional data. And one of the reasons for that is that there's, there's a very short shelf life for big data. Uh, when you're talking about traditional data, historically, we would uh, gather all of that data we put it into a data warehouse or a data lake and we would perform ETL and we build these models and and you know this is how we would address traditional data with big data there are times when you really you have to analyze it in almost real time if not in real time and and when you're talking about the volume and and the speed the velocity of information that's flowing through, say, for example, coming from the internet of things. If you think about driving down the highway and you're you're using Google Maps and it shows you that up ahead, there's an accident. And so you see, you know, your path kind of change color and you can see that there's an accident it's going to reroute you somewhere. That's information that you need in the moment. And it's coming from... Big data its coming from devices that are sending information up to the cloud that, that uh, may or may not even know that they're sending information to the cloud. But all that information has to be analyzed immediately and then sent back down to your device to tell you that, hey, five miles ahead, there's an accident, you may want to reroute. Uh, and, if, and if you take a little more time to analyze that information, and get that back to the end user, they may be in the middle of the accident by then, and it's useless, right? So, uh, big data is very different from that perspective, and it's forcing us to have to use different tools to look at analyzing data differently than we have
1: before. Oh, I'd love if you could talk a bit about some of those tools and any of the challenges that you're facing and or meeting with those tools, because, you know, it's, what you described as something that is usually invisible to the end user, unless it's done poorly, right? Which, which is often the case with, with operations teams, generally speaking. Great operations are almost invisible sometimes and, and bumpy ones. People hear about it, feel it, talk about it, complain about it. So so what are some of those tools that you're developing or that you're using or that are upcoming that we should know about?
0: There are a lot of new tools out there. And and I, I really, I, I, I have to say right up front that I, I, uh, I'm not an expert from the tools perspective, my study uh, was really around the governance of big data and how how we need to change the way that we analyze. And I specifically stayed away from the actual tools themselves uh, in my study, just because uh, there are so many of them out there. And a lot of them are still being proven. A lot of them are still, they're still being developed and, and, and utilized. So I, I don't think that I would have a lot of insights as far as the specific tools that might be used there.
1: This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast.
0: And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the AdaptiveOps community at operations.community
1: then let's talk about governance a little bit because often overlooked challenge i think sometimes we hope that it just happens and we don't have to worry about it but it's of enormous importance
0: so a couple of a couple of things come to mind in that regard one is as i mentioned before just the volume of data can be very overwhelming and as i talk to people who are solving that problem who are doing it right two of the main things that that came out one is that they said they We shouldn't attempt to analyze all the data. It's just that there's too much. There's no way we're ever going to be able to. So we have to be able to surgically identify those data elements that are going to be most important to answering whatever the question is that we're trying to answer. Uh, Because if we're trying to investigate all of the data available to us, we'll never get to the answer and 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 so that's one of the challenges with big data is really being able to articulate what are the specific data elements that that really contribute to answering this question, whatever that business question is that you're trying to answer. Uh, and so just removing a lot of that noise is really what it comes down to. And there is a lot of noise when it comes to big data. And then uh, really designing for simplicity, because uh, big data can be extremely, complex. And an, another kind of counterintuitive thing, when we think about big data, we think about this, just this, this huge volume of information coming in. And it, it we, we tend to think in terms of lots of data sources, because more data sources is going to give us a better view of the information. And in reality, that's not, that's not the case. We might have more endpoints In the case of, for example, the Internet of Things, we would have lots of endpoints, but the data source would still be the same data source. Uh, So if we can limit our data sources and make use of lots of endpoints, then we're getting a a huge volume of information, but we're still able then to really focus in on what it is that we're trying to answer. Where again, if we're going to try to get lots of data sources and these heterogeneous sources, all we're doing is creating
1: more noise and making it more difficult to analyze the question that we're trying to answer. It's a, a volume issue and a quality issue and a noise issue. And if you're hunting for a specific answer, uh, you, you don't want all of the data, you want some of the data and that data needs to be a very, very particular kind of data. Otherwise, it just uh, creates problems.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And that actually kind of leads into a, another aspect. of of data governance, which which actually ties in really well with the whole agile concept. In order for these data scientists to be able to help answer those questions, the way that we get there is by bridging the gap between the technology organization and the business organization. Because anytime that there's this wall between the two where we expect the business people to come up with the questions and the IT people, the data people are gonna come up with the answers, that's a recipe for failure. And the more we can get the, the tech folks and specifically your data scientists, your data engineers to be communicating just hand in hand on a daily basis with the folks that are, that are operating the various lines of business, then they can help frame the questions that they can then go help answer. And they can help the various lines of business to understand what data elements exist to be able to help answer those questions. And so the more we can unite those two entities, the more successful we're going to be. And and again, especially with big data, we really have to work on getting those, closing the gap between the tech world and the business world, and really just considering it all to be people solving problems for whatever line of business you're in. Um, and, and again, that, that, that same concept applies out to not just the big data and the data scientists, but all areas of it. And, and that's really what the whole agile initiative is all about as well.
1: Uh, it makes total sense. Also easier said than done. Um, it's, it's quite a paradigm shift yeah. for a lot of people, right? So often, you know, especially as we scale teams are often just in silos and, uh, you know, sometimes you don't even know who to talk to in IT. IT doesn't know who to talk to on the other side of things. So, just from a, a practical perspective, uh, what does that look like? How do you go about doing that with teams? Like, who, who are the stakeholders you need to, to get involved to make that happen?
0: It's, it's something that has to happen at the, the enterprise level. Several times as I've implemented Agile in other organizations, it starts from the development team or from the IT organization, and you say, well, this is how we're going to. Do work. This is how we're gonna get stuff done. So if you want to get stuff done, this is how you have to engage with us. And 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 then it kind of works out organically from there. And and that's okay. It's it's not super successful. You get mediocre results that way. The way to get success is to go across the whole organization and help everyone understand, because like you said, it's a mindset change. You have to think about not just the problems differently and and how the organization functions differently, but you have to think about the various roles in the organization differently. And one of the key concepts in, in Agile is that you take these various roles in the organization, you put them together in an Agile team. So you have your data scientist who is the expert in big data and you have your IT folks and your server folks and your dev folks and you have all of your business folks and they work together as a single team as, for as long as they can. It, it's not come together, do this thing, and then separate, and then other people come together, and you have another project team. Start working together, know each other's personalities, learn about how you work, how you interact, and really build a cross-functional team. And that's why it has to happen at the enterprise level. Because if you can do it from the enterprise level and you can help that help infuse that culture through the organization, then you're going to start to see that success because it's a it's a cultural change in the organization.
1: I, I love how you ended that by saying it's a cultural change, right? Because that's culture is such a delicate, tricky thing. Anyone who's been in an organization of any size can identify how how that can then change. And so, you know, with that in mind, so you're saying that comes kind of from the top down who initiates this change? I mean, is it, is it the, uh, is it the CIO? Is this the operations people? I mean, who starts the ball rolling here?
0: As a CIO, I will definitively state that it should not be the CIO who starts <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, I, I, and again, I've, I started that many times before in my career. I, there's been organizations where it's come from my organization and I've been the one kind of pushing it out. And when that happens, it comes across as an IT thing, and you're not gonna find success in changing the culture of the organization if you're trying to push out an IT thing. So I've told you who it shouldn't be. <laughs> who should it be? Ideally, this would come from the top, from, from the literal top, from the CEO, the COO. Uh, this should come from the, the top levels of the organization And it should be something where they say, this is how we're going to do things. And it's going to take change. It's going to take change across the whole organization. It's going to require that marketing people and finance people and HR people do things differently than they've done before. Because this is not just about how we get technology stuff done. This is about how we do stuff. And the agile concepts apply across the whole organization. And so then you start getting into this this mode of, hey, these agile ceremonies, we follow those in infrastructure, in HR, in compliance, in finance, whether we have any IT component of what we're doing or not.
1: That's when it then becomes part of the culture. So you've been a CIO for years. You're an advisor for, for a few organizations. You've been you've advising uh, on agile. Just kind of in a nutshell to put, or to put a little bit of a bow on it or whatever uh, metaphor you'd like to use as operations pros are, are just trying to think about or picture what success looks like. What in your opinion makes an operations team successful? What should they be looking for to indicate that they're doing well?
0: There's always the... Especially in an infrastructure and operations world, there's always this concept of keep the lights on. We have to do those things. We have to keep the water flowing through the pipes, right? We have to make sure that the company keeps functioning. That, that's not what's going to make an organization successful. That's, that's the ante end of the game. You have to keep the lights on. You have to keep the email server running, right? You have to keep the data flowing. What I think is really going to bring success is what we we're just talking about: getting that communication and and the transparency and and really breaking down those those walls between the IT organization and the rest of the organization. And it, it goes both ways. You know, I've, I've heard some IT people who, on the one hand, complain that, "Hey, we don't get any respect from the business." Right, we don't get. They 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 just think of us as the people to keep the lights on. And then when you start talking to them about some of the business drivers and some of the things that keep the company in business, their response is, "I'm just a tech guy. I just know about servers and I know how to code and I don't really want to know about all that other stuff." Well, guess what? You can't have your you know you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have it both ways. If you want to seat at the table then you have to start speaking the language. And so my advice to any operations organization would be learn your business, learn their language, understand what keeps your company running. And I don't mean the servers. I mean, the workflows, the business, how do you make money? And then, have those conversations, break down those walls, you know, build up those relationships. And, and that's how you're gonna have, uh, that's how you're gonna find the success.
1: So I wanna kind of wrap things up with a, a more of a technical question. Uh, so taking an operational lens to this topic, what advice do you have for operations professionals who wanna have their data talk to them more efficiently?
0: Yeah, I think, I think going back to uh, this concept of reduce the noise. Right now, we live in a world where we are drowning in data for want of information, right? There's so much data out there and there's so much data being generated on a daily basis. And we have more and more devices and systems and we're developing more more systems that are just pumping more data across the pipes and across the ethernet. And the way for our data folks to be successful is to wipe away the noise, and again, this comes down to understanding your business, because what's the noise and what's not noise? The only way you're going to know that is by understanding your business. You know, understand your business, build those relationships, learn what you can about that organization, and then help wipe away the noise so that we can then provide information, not data, right? Information through our lines of business.
1: Well, Ken, thank you so much for your time and insights today. For those listening who would want to have additional follow-up conversations or want to reach out, what is the best way for those folks to get in touch with you?
0: The best way is really probably on, on LinkedIn. So uh, come find me on, on LinkedIn, uh, Ken Napton. I'm you know, happy to, to reach out and chat and uh, you know, lo- love to hear from anybody uh, that wants to talk about data or, or, or Agile.
1: Excellent. And uh, and to be clear, the spelling is, uh, Napton is K-N-A-P-T-O-N, Dr. Ken Napton, CIO at Progression, and Progression is P-R-O-G-R-E-X-I-O-N. So that's where you'll be able to find Dr. Napton. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkin.com slash MBO pod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.